This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is vocalist, guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, and producer, Des Rocks from New York City. Together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the track, MMC, taken from his 2021 album, A Real Good Person in a Real Bad Place. This song really took me on a ride the first time I heard it. My initial thought was, how did someone come up with this and put it all together in a cohesive manner? It was so cool to pick Des's brain about just that. Des mentioned that his influences aren't just musical. They take form from such things as theater, plays, musicals, and his biggest inspiration of all, his home, New York City, where chaos tends to run amok 24-7 365. Des produces all his own music, preferring to leave in those imperfections that work, those happy accidents that make the music feel real and have a pulse, a true energy. For being someone who creates most of his sounds through computers, beneath it all, Des is the real deal. Pull up some of his live videos online and you'll see him ripping guitar solos to a rabid audience. Oh, and he might just do the best Mickey Mouse impersonation I've ever heard. For all this and a couple New York City car horns blasting in the background, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. What's up, Des? Hey, how you doing? I am doing uh, fantastic. You know... I was approached by your publicist uh, or manager, I'm not sure, I, I, I thought it was publicist, uh, about you being on the show, and I, I hadn't heard of you, and, uh, you know, you, you can listen, uh, if you ever had the time in your whole life to go back and listen to all 80 episodes I've had so far, I've never said this to an artist, but you're my new favorite artist. Dude, oh, you are awesome. Thank you so much. That means the world to me, man. Thank you so much. You have a sound, and I was like, you know, just because I haven't heard of an artist doesn't mean that, you know, I, I had no idea uh, how known you were, how big you were. It turns out you're a relatively new artist, uh, but your sound, man, it's incredible. Uh, I, I love this track that we're going to talk about. For the listeners right now, a, a little bit of an introduction for you, and then uh, uh, typically I don't like to conduct these podcasts as interviews, but I have some questions I want to ask you before we dive into the track that we're going to talk about today, because I'm just I'm fascinated <laughs> with where you come from musically, because I just in this track alone, man, I'm like, how can someone this young have this this kaleidoscope of uh, influences? It's this song is, is is crazy to me and crazy in a great way. Des is from New York City. Um, before starting uh, Des Rocks, he performed in the band Secret Weapons, uh, which were signed to Epic Records. Des Rocks has released three EPs, Let the Vultures In in 2018, which was self-released, Martyr Parade in 2019, which was released on Lowly. Was Lowly a record label? Uh, distributor, yeah. Distributor, okay. And uh, This Is Our Life in 2020, which was released on 300 Entertainment. Uh, His full-length album, A Real Good Person in a Real Bad Place, awesome title, was released on September 24, 2021 on 300 Entertainment. Uh, The album was self-recorded and produced, which is gnarly because this track sounds so friggin' amazing. And then I went ahead as I do with these episodes and I, I go through and I, I want to look at some live clips and I found one uh, from a couple weeks ago, November 4th, 2021, uh, you at the Bowery Ballroom in New York playing the track we're going to talk about today, MMC, uh, which stands for uh, uh, Mickey Mouse Club. And you're like Prince up there, man. You're like playing this killer, like just guitar solo. And I'm. it's like, there's elements of rock, electronica. There, there's so much going on here. So I just want to start off by asking you, like, who's your top five influences? Like, if you were to say, this is what I, this is what gets me moving. This is what's motivated me and wanted to make me a musician. Because I'm hearing uh, dozens of influences within this track. 
Wow. Well, that's, that's an interesting question because I always kind of separate it into two pots because so many of my influences are not musical. So for me, like my number one influence is New York City. Like New York City is everything at once. It is constant. It is electric. And it all comes together to make one singular thing. And that's really like a microcosm for everything I'm about as an artist. But on the musical side, I grew up worshiping Queen and Elvis Presley and Prince and Roy Orbison and so many other artists. So I got I got the Prince thing right with the guitar. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm always working on my spins and stuff. You know. Yeah, that's so, what it reminded me of. That. <laughs> yeah. But you should see it in the clubs when there's like carpet on the stage and you can't spin more than a quarter of an inch. You know, a lot of tripping and falling. I'm sure you. I mean, you know, you know that life. You know. So yeah, like I'm always just going for the most grandiose music I can possibly make no matter what's happening in the world at that time. I love that we just heard the New York City horn behind you. That adds <laughs> authenticity to what you're talking about. Oh, what's funny is I came here because <laughs> this is a quiet place. So uh, it's funny. You're going to get some taxis and horns for sure. That's perfect. That adds to the realness of what we're talking about. Uh, you, you mentioned Queen. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a moment. You, you, you use the word grandiose, which I have that in my notes. That's how I describe your sound. It's just theatric. It's grandiose. This record was self-recorded uh, and produced. Was that a conscious decision? Did you want? To, was this all stuff in your head that you heard that that uh, you didn't want a, a producer to screw it up? Because uh, this is wild. This track. I, I I say you're my favorite new artist because I haven't heard a song like this in a while. Where I went, wow, someone's kind of created a new sound. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know the self-production thing. It just kind of came out of necessity. You know, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have. Uh, a lot of resources. So I just kind of had to have a very DIY approach to everything I did as an artist. Um, I did do a couple weeks with a big producer because I was like finally able to do this on my own. And I did like three weeks um, and it was a very great experience. But I got home and I was like, it's not me. It's not me. Uh -huh. So I just took everything and I dragged it to the recycle bin. Um, and I just made the whole album on this 2014 MacBook Pro that I'm talking to you on now. It's incredible because the record sounds, uh, th this term is, is cheesy, but it, it sounds current. It sounds like is as good or anything production-wise that, that's out there, which with technology now, it's amazing that you can do this from a laptop. But you, you, have, you have this in your head and, and, and you were able to spill it out by yourself with no outside influences. And, and, and that's incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was uh, a journey and I almost lost my mind. But um, yeah, you know, it's it was a, a pretty maddening process. There were definitely some shining moments in there, you know, just sitting alone in my in my little spot and uh, making the whole record. Um, but I'm I'm so proud of it because I will live and die for every single note and every single element of production because they're all from me. <laughs> it's uh, funny you say that because I don't think there's a note or a thing, uh, a moment wasted in this song. Thanks. And it's just, no, it's it's everything. Sometimes when things are deliberate or intentional, it sounds forced like, oh, that's contrived. I don't mean it like that. It's like everything that is in this song, it's perfect. But at the same time, I'm sitting here trying to, as a musician, you know, I know how to pick up a guitar. I know how to take a song. I could play this song how I would play it. But in my head, it's like, where did he come up with these drum loops and these synth sounds? And like, what is going on here? And then you get into the next part, which, which we're going to dive into the song. It's just the first time I heard it, you know, because like I said, we'll get submissions for the show. And I'll take listen to stuff. And, and, and once in a while, you know, something will catch our ear, a, a newer artist. And this was immediate. It was like, what is this? You know, in, 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 a, in a great way. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I also I think I'm so guided by a sense of, of lack of musicianship. I really don't know what I'm doing and I'm simply just expressing myself through whatever tool I have. So that guides the production, too. You know, I have very much there are no rules. So for me to like walk into a room and it's like a bunch of guitars and they're like, oh, we're going to do guitars today. Let's try a, diff a couple of different guitars like that to me is my nightmare. OK, but that's intriguing. With that said, you're up there just ripping that guitar solo, like you own the place, like that's your first instrument, but you're not approaching this from a guitar-based aspect. You're you're approaching this from everything in your computer and how you're building stuff with, with through through sound. Yeah, every everything is fair game. Like a lot of the drums, I'm just programming on my own on a QWERTY keyboard. You know what I mean? So I'm just like grooving on that the same way I'll groove on my guitar. The same way I'm just kind of chasing an energy and a vibe and musicianship 
it's not really for me. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just expressing myself. <laughs> well, you you wouldn't know it by this production, and it, and it's incredible. I I would love love to be in a room with you one day from from scratch of you recording a song and and seeing how you Frankenstein all this together because to me it is just a, a completely different world on one hand I get it as a musician as a producer I understand it but like where did the inspiration come from where did this like this beast come from because this song it, it's another animal yeah you know for me the process is very manic it is not focused it is not a traditional thing where you sit there with a whiteboard and it says guitars, synths, and drums, and you check boxes as you go along. To me, checking boxes is antithetical to creativity. And I have many songs that have no guitar in them. You know, it's really just like constant experimentation because my whole goal and mission statement as an artist is to drag rock and roll kicking and screaming into the 21st century and be a, <laughs> be a modern version of a Freddie Mercury. You know, music that is big and unites the world before its time is progressive. You know what I mean? So I always get caught in this like classic rock trap, right? Where someone says, ah, classic rock is the standard, the classic. But people fail to appreciate that classic rock was progressive at the time. Led Zeppelin, progressive, experimental. Queen, progressive, experimental. Sure. And that spirit to me is so lost today. That's a uh, a great take. And uh, again, not to bring up age for another reason, just that insight as a younger artist, that's refreshing to hear because you're right. Uh, Led Zeppelin didn't sound dated in 1971. Queen didn't sound dated in 1974. It was the, the moment of the times that something becomes classic because uh, time has elapsed. Yes. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing more, nothing less. That's a, that's an interesting take. And, and as I said before, uh, and I, and I mean this, this, this track is, is different. I haven't really heard something. Uh, and I'm probably going to, to tell you that I hear influences of bands you maybe you've never even heard of in this. Hmm. Uh, and maybe you have, maybe you'll surprise me, but there's some stuff here. I'm like, going, wait a second, where did he get this from? It's just, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. I also like what you said about checking boxes because that's kind of how I work. You know, I'm like, okay, I got to do the rhythm guitars now and I got to do the lead guitars and, and you're approaching this kind of like you're just building the track and going and all of a sudden your brain goes you know what what if i do another padded synth on the left speaker over here cool i'm gonna do that now and you're kind of just throwing everything in the pot it sounds like oh absolutely it's it's everything at once and yeah like the word you said before the d word different that's the most important world word in the world to me without a doubt i would love for you to say i hate your music so much it is offensive to me but it is very different and I would say, thank you. <laughs> but if you said, I love your music, it sounds like everything else. I would say, fuck you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But like for me, it's always about taking that big swing and getting as weird as I can. Cause you can always bring it back and you're never as weird as you think you really are, you know, and just going for it. And with the big swing, either you fall on your ass and whiff or you knock it out of the park. Cause anything in the middle, it's too crowded. There's no room for that today. You know, it's a waste of my time. Well, I, I loved this track when I heard it, but I, I really loved the project when I when I went on YouTube. I've never seen you live in person. I hope to someday. But when I when I saw it live, I was a believer. I'm always a believer in live music. You can create stuff in the studio, but I want to feel the energy. Mm-hmm. I want to feel where this guy's coming from. And I saw the show. I saw the crowd going nuts. Uh, you, you got some fans, man, and they're believers because they're hearing what I'm hearing. And they're, they're I, I'm, I'm looking at the comments. I went through the YouTube comments and it's just more than not. People are saying, you know, does this can this guy release a bad song? You know, <laughs> thanks. I mean, it's, it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. The live show is everything. And I'm sure you're in a similar position where like you're making a song. You think about how it's going to be live. And that guides me almost absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I want to jump into the track now. And I, I noticed that you abbreviated the song MMC. Was that for any uh, <laughs> any trademark infringements or anything or not? Just legal reasons. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. That's more than I went. Legal, not trademark. You would have been Mickey Mouse Club if I, if I had my way, you know? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to call it, uh, we're calling it MMC. That's the, name of, that's the name of the song. It's three minutes and 49 seconds. And... When the song starts up until the 10 second mark, there's this, I'm calling it a sinister guitar riff with just this nasty sounding feedback that's off to the left speaker. The guitar riff's off to the right. And this riff, and and, and here's where I'm going to, 
you know, talk about some old punk bands that I was into. Were you ever into like Black Flag or Agent Orange or The Damned? You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I can see the influence that you're citing now, even <laughs> though I wasn't cognizant of that while making it. So that's a really interesting observation. Yeah, it's just I'm like, what is this? This is like a, you know, but at the same time, it's not how Black Flag would approach it with this fuzzy, fuzzy, dirty guitar. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a nasty sounding guitar tone, but it's more of a modern. I dare I dare say the word pop tone to it. But uh, but the heartbeat of it reminds me of something old punk. And uh, and, and this riff's going for 10 seconds. And then immediately after the 10 seconds, you're into verse number one. Welcome to the Mickey Mouse Club. You know exactly what to do with the pretty face. Before it ends up on a milk jug. And all that's left is just a hollow memory of your life. Let us feast on your insights. And then we'll never got it. That guitar riff's still going. That's continuing. And there is these 80s sounding, I say 80s, 1980s sounding program drums that are kind of happening. And the vocal delivery here, here's the next influence. Were you ever into Oingo Boingo? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what is Oingo Boingo? Oingo Boingo. Their lead singer's name is Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Oh, Danny uh, Elfman. Okay, I know. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, Danny Elfman did. You know, he he uh, wrote The Simpsons and, and a lot of. The, he's done tons of te- television uh, uh, shows. You know, composer. But Danny was the singer in Oingo Boingo. Oh, and I have a lot of homework now. I like this. Yeah. The delivery on this, I'm like, man, all of a sudden we went from this punky, noisy feedback thing to now we're in this 80s program drums that sounds like Oingo Boingo. And I'm a sucker for anything 80s. That's when I grew up. So I just loved this sound. And and I want to go through these lyrics here. I'm going to go all the way up into the first chorus. I'm considering that there's a pre-chorus in here, and we'll get to that. So I'm going to read the, the verse one and the, and, and the pre-chorus one, and I'm going to have you set up these lyrics. Welcome to the Mickey Mouse Club. You know exactly what to do with a pretty face before it ends up on a milk jug. And all that's left is just a hollow memory of your life. Let us feast on your insides and then we'll laugh about it. (laughs) What's going on in your sick, sinister mind there, Des? I'm always very much a believer in this Nina Simone philosophy, which is that the art must reflect the times. Um, And as an observer in modern rock music, I've just been seeing so much like inauthentic bullshit. You know, and I've talked to like a lot of people on the teams of these like totally manufactured fake ass like punk artists who never fucking lugged a cab up a basement staircase a day in their life. You know what I mean? And I was like, these kids are just selling their souls to the devil. So I wanted to create this kind of like very Danny Elfman like roller coaster ride uh, of what the journey is like for these people from start to finish and how antithetical that whole process is to art. Okay, okay. So you did reference Danny Elfman just now. So you're kind of, okay, so he is oh, yeah. he is an influence. Well, like now okay. that you said that, it's like almost like this nightmare before Christmas, like kind of just journey and like the whole fantastical <laughs> element of music that is so absent, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, when you get up to the point where it says memory, that's when I'm considering it. It changes to the pre-chorus because this part happens again after verse two. And right here on memory, on the Y, on the last line of memory, the last syllable, and your life, there's these hits. It almost sounds like a backward synth or a guitar or voices panned off to your right. What is that? Oh, man, I think I was just like literally like clacking the table that I was working on and just filtering it through a bunch of weird like eventide plugins and just kind of. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. So it's, it's like stuff like that. Yeah. OK. And on life, on the word life, uh, which is of your life's the first word I'm getting or the first line I'm considering of the pre-chorus. There's like it sounds like a drum flutter. Is that you on the desk? Yeah, that's the desk. Um, and I'm very into just like sampling non-musical things and assigning them notes and tones and making them instruments. Oh, man, it's 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 so badass. It sounds like you you sped up a drum machine there, like an old 80s Casio, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. A lot of the sound effects are just kind of nonsense, you know. Um, and yeah, I wish I knew how to recreate them. I don't I just get it. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. I just keep moving. I don't think about anything. 
I wish I had time to do that. <laughs> I, I I just I know where I I know in my world how to record something. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and take 20 minutes to tap on my desk and filter it through a bunch of plugins. That that's incredible. Like maybe I need to do that. Well, I think the naivete is where the origin originality is. Like I hate when I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm sure you have <laughs> go-to chords and go-to progressions. And oh yeah, pick of those. You know what I mean? Yes, so to yes. Be, to be a virgin on something is so exciting. Man, um. Well, that is really cool that you 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 filtered that through. Uh, and for the listeners, plugins are just basically uh, w- within his MacBook, and they're just different uh, different sounds that you can put on. You, know, you can put a chorus effect or a flanger on something or a delay uh, that he was running. Uh, him tapping on the desk through it makes it <laughs> makes it sound like the, like the drums. That's really cool. The last line here, and then we'll laugh about it. It's almost whispered, and the band stops, and there's this. Pitch shifted low. Ha 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 ha. Out of nowhere, right there, you're, you're writing the track, and in your brain, you go, Yeah, I, I need to pitch shift a low ha 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 in here. Like, where did that come from, that inspiration? So, those two moments in the pre choruses, the first one and the second one, those were actually at the very, very end. It was originally just a space, and I was like, Oh, I got to fill it with some nasty drum fill or something. And I was like, No, that's so obvious. That's low hanging fruit. Like use uh, a character to kind of drive home the message. So to me, it's just kind of like these kind of uh, anonymous doers who are like consuming this person's soul in exchange for stardom. It sounds sinister. It's just that ha ha ha. And it sounds this track is so happy at times, but it sounds evil. Um, it, it, it's coming at you in all directions. When I got done listening to this for the very first time, I truly didn't know how it made me feel. I was like schizophrenic after I listened to it. It was cool because yeah, I haven't I listened that. to a song. I haven't listened to a song in a long time that made me feel like, wait a second. I think I just lost my mind without using drugs, alcohol or anything. Like what just <laughs> happened? You know, that's killer. That's the intended effect. So that makes me really happy that that was your reaction that you can't just put it in a box. You don't go, oh, pop punk. Oh, alt rock. Nope. Like, no. And I had I had to keep going back and listening to the track over and over to it. It wasn't a one time thing. I liked it after the first listen. But I had to listen to this song a bunch to get it. And even now, I don't know if I necessarily get it, which is which is still a good thing because it's 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 really it's a cohesive piece of music that to me is just all over the place. And so a lot of times when something's all over the place, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you like there's a lot of tracks on my hard drive that are all over the place that are just disasters, never made it out. Um, but I think <laughs> you have to experiment ceaselessly before you get that one, you know, like. Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't come in a vacuum. It comes because of dozens of failed queen attempts that just really weren't quite there before they got it, you know? So like, yeah, I think just pushing and going for it made it all tie together. Hey everybody, don't you dare go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to makes a podcast after these messages from our sponsors. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash demakes. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, 
We welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one-hit wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the one-hit thunder or was nothing more than a one-hit blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. And now, back to the show. The track is 3 minutes and 49 seconds. uh, And at 35 seconds, we're already at the first chorus. And that's quick. And that's great because you're already at the hook within 35 seconds. And there's a lot that's already hit uh, the listener at this point. When we get into chorus one, again, I'm going to read the lyrics here. I want you to set it up and then I'm going to comb through it with with some notes here that I have. Pretty much uh, everything here is harmonized. This is where you're first hearing the first harmonies in the song. And I love it because this chorus truly lifts here. And the lyric is manufactured, overrated. When you come... Uh, and, it, and that's not spelled C-O-M-E for the listeners. When you come, I bet you fake it. Hope you choke on every word that leaves your throat. Plastic and manipulated. You everything you hated. You're just a punchline to an inside joke. What's going on there? What's happening? Oh, man. I feel like these are some of my most my most literal lyrics that I've ever written because it's just taking a shot. You know what I mean? It's taking a shot at all the manufactured bullshit and how people will start with a shred of artistic integrity and lose it so quickly, so quickly in exchange for something that doesn't end up even taking them where they want to go. You know, you always got to just do you and be yourself. And that message of authenticity defines everything I do. Well, man, I heard an underlying punk rock attitude through this track. That lyric is interesting in that chorus and everything that you just said, because to to it, just an average listener that were to hear this song, the production's modern. It does have elements of some some newer stuff that's out there, but it could be dismissed as this is overrated. This is just like everything else to the normal listener. I didn't hear that though. I'm like, there's something here. You know, even though you say these are pretty literal lyrics, I like what you're saying here. Thank you, man. Like, you know, it's like I just wanted it to come in like a ton of bricks and not pull any punches. And with many other songs, I do like to dress up. Uh, some of the sentiments and much more poetry because that's something that's very important to me. But this one, I just wanted to come out guns blazing, you know? Right. Well, I had uh, I had jotted down here that, that this chorus sounds like it could be a pop punk song from 10, 15 years ago <laughs> if there was like real acoustic drums and big guitars here. I'm hearing like My Chemical Romance, Panic at the Disco. I'm hearing some of those influences in here, but yet the production doesn't sound anything like those bands. You know, if I if I were to take this chorus, I could go, okay, let me throw it in, in my studio. I'll put big guitars on it. I'll, you know, it would sound like a pop punk song. So that spirit's there, but it's it's not. It's cut from a different cloth production wise. One thing that will never be lost is melody and just gigantic melody is something I'm always chasing. And I feel like that's what pop punk established so incredibly well. So like incorporating that into a song that's kind of taking a shot at artists who are pretending to be in that genre a little bit. I was like, I'll show you how to write a fucking pop punk chorus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I spent my life in fucking basements and getting my ass kicked and sleeping on stage floors. Like, you're all pretending that you're like pop punk artists now. Like, I'll fucking show you pop punk. You know, that, that's like my, my, my whole approach to it. I like it. I like it because it's not. You obviously those bands were influences, but you don't want to sound like them. It's already been done. Oh, but no, yeah. I, I can hear the influence, but it doesn't sound like their productions. It, again, it's your it, it's your own it's your own animal. It's your own thing. Uh, I love that this is where we uh, first get introduced to harmonies in the song. I think the harmonies are great here. On the last line, you're just a punchline to an inside joke. There's this big snare roll that goes back into the reintro. The drums now are double time here. You're getting that crazy guitar, what I'm calling the black flag riff, back with that just nasty feedback, but the drums are hammering you double time. It's the same length, two measures as the top of the song. Did you ever do a demo to this track? Oh, no. There are no demos of of my songs, really, Uh, because everything starts as a demo that I just kind of 
then just enhance a little bit. And that's the record. I kind of thought you were going to say that because of the way that you build tracks. Yeah, I, I don't really write linear, linearly. I don't know what the word would be. I don't write in a linear fashion. I just kind of sit down at Logic and I just start getting weird and then something's born. And a lot of the vocals on my album are just one take stream of conscious with nothing written. And there's a certain frenetic magic to it that I couldn't recreate. And it just is as is. Yeah, that that's awesome. I I do that uh, and I've talked about that, in fact, a lot of times on this show where you can't best the first idea. Whatever just, just came out naturally, that instinct, it, it's gold. It, you just can't beat it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm sure like as a songwriter, you feel the same way where these things are just kind of floating in the ether and you channel them for a brief moment and you're lucky to channel it. Um, and then don't overthink it. You know, I think, yeah, I think this is the, is such an enemy. Like the brain is such an enemy of music making. Well, I love, you know, when I was getting into this and I was really starting to pick it apart, like we're doing now. And I realized we're in verse two. We're only at a minute and six seconds in the song. This is a three minute and 49 second song. And I'm like, what else? It, it doesn't feel like it's that long. I've always said that's, that's the making of a great song when something is, is, is longer than it, than it feels. But, uh, we're in a minute and six seconds. Welcome to the Mickey Mouse Club. We'd really like it if you sang a song like this, or else you'll make me sew your mouth shut. And in parentheses, the calling response is mouth shut. It's such a chore to find another mannequin your size, because you fit so nice. I hope you're ready for it. Oh, you bet I am. I'm going to be famous. Yeah, it's almost like a play, you know? I, I almost wrote it like a musical, this one, with, with characters exchanging uh, sentiments um, I would love to see it like on a stage with different people taking different verses. You know what I mean? This song is like a play. I didn't think of it like that. And earlier when I asked you your musical influence, you said sometimes it's not even music. My influences could be theater, could be acting. And you just said it, a play. And that's what that's what this verse reminds me of. I want to talk about a couple things. I love how there's harmony in this verse that was not there in verse number one. So continue with the chorus. We're getting some harmony on the whole first line. On the second line, sang a song like this. Just the back half, you're getting the backing vocals. On the third line, you're getting the whole thing. On the fourth line, it's such a chore to find another mannequin. There's just a harmony on another mannequin. And I love how and where the backing vocals are mixed in this song. It's like a left-right thing. You're, you're, my ear's taking me to each side of the speaker. They, they're, they're positioned perfectly. Thank you. Yeah, I think a sense of like disorienting the listener briefly and like kind of flushing them down the toilet for like a second before you drop into a big wall of sound is like a really cool way to, um, to build up just using production techniques and not musical techniques to build up to a big chorus. What else that I love about this track is that the choruses of this song, they're pretty much all the same, which I think you needed because the rest of this, nothing from verse one to verse two to, to the bridge to the outro at the end, nothing sounds the same. And I'll use the word again, schizophrenic. It's just, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> but the choruses are uniform. I almost fear that if you, you would have had the choruses be schizophrenic, that you would have you, you might have lost me completely with this. <laughs> I like the, the I like the uniformity of the choruses. Sometimes I don't like that. Sometimes I want the chorus to change. But here I think it's integral to the song. Thanks. Yeah, you know I think you need to anchor it, and that's always very important. And it's almost like uh, the theory behind like a Jackson Pollock painting, where the painting mm -hmm. is inherently chaotic, but there's like almost an art to the chaos where. It, there's an intangible magic where it's like the perfect amount of chaos, you know, and that's like a, a line I'm always walking, you know. Oh man, that's a the perfect amount of chaos. I like that. Maybe that's your next record title. It's a good. <laughs> I a love good that. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> good. I won't even ask for credit. Whatever. All right. So um, on the line, I hope you're ready for it in the pre-chorus. There's a whispered like second vocal here that kind of encapsulates that line. That is just it, it, it's cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I wanted it to feel a little creepy, you know, and, yeah. and whispering is me whispering alone in a room is pretty creepy. So, yeah, <laughs> you haven't heard me whisper alone in a room. Um, <laughs> the, la the last line. Oh, you bet I am. I'm going to be famous. Mm -hmm. 
I'm calling it a Mickey Mouse voice. Did you do that on purpose? Oh, yeah. I just sat down and like, oh, you bet I am. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I, it's the only song that I do voice acting in. So <laughs> it, it, you, you killed it, man. Like I almost thought you took a sample. Like I was like, did he get that off the internet or is that, is that him doing that? It, it's really cool. Right. Um, I like how famous that last line, it's just by itself, that word, because you know, it's coming, which is chorus two. We're at a minute and 30 seconds. I don't know if I mentioned this the first chorus, but halfway through on just the two lines, plastic and manipulated, and you are everything you need, the drums go halftime there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that it goes halftime, but it doesn't stay. It always comes back on that last line. It ramp- ramps you back up. I love the feel of that. Thanks. Yeah, it's like a palate cleanse. You know, it's like a musical sorbet. It just kind of refreshes the whole thing. <laughs> you know, that's how I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only only a New Yorker could use sorbet and make it, you know, make it work in a, in, in a sentence uh, involving music. I like it, Des. Thank you. <laughs> I like at the end here, there's that big snare roll again on that last line of the chorus, but it goes right into the bridge. And you want to talk about a departure. And this is where you <laughs> this is where you really hooked me because I'm like, where's this kid coming from? Mm-hmm. Never let a red in the Mickey Mouse club. Never let a red in the Mickey Mouse club. Like, where did this come from? Because it's like I'm 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 listing all these influences that I'm hearing on my head to you up to this point. And now I'll just read what I have here. There's a single piano notes with a super present vocal. So present that you can hear your lips smack on the word club. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of nasty and really personal. Was that the intention? Oh, absolutely. Like that intimacy, like there's nothing that gives me goosebumps more than a completely bone dry vocal way up front. Um, yeah. and, and also I wanted to signal that now it's almost like this confessional moment in the song. We call that audible cotton mouth almost when you, when you get that smacking. Yeah. So, uh, did you have a dry mouth? How many takes you have to do to get that? I'm serious. Cause that's like, that's you, you have, it's got an interesting pop on that when you say club. Yeah, you know, that's it's just like I, I like embracing the imperfections. Um, so that's something that yeah. I would usually try and notch out. And then I was like, nah, it's just like it's so real. And I want it to feel real. Well, I'm going to read out uh, these lyrics and have you set set these ones up for us. And I got some notes we'll, we'll talk after. Uh, this first part here uh, with the single piano notes we were just talking about. And the lyric is never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. Never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. You say it twice on the second time you say it. It almost sounds like you're gonna laugh, like a snicker, almost. Never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot going on in this song. It's, this is a crazy one to digest. There's so much going on personally in it and how I feel about the world in it. So I, I am like having fun with a lot of moments in it. And this whole rat idea is um, like a real motif in, in the Dez Rocks universe. I call it like the Dez CU. And um, the idea of just like fans often call me a rat and there's a lot of rat paraphernalia at shows um, and the idea that I don't fit into this world. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't fit in to this Mickey Mouse Club bullshit um, and I'm just going to always do my own thing because that's the most important thing you can do at the end of the day. I like your fire, man. I dig it. This part, though, that second line where you almost snicker there, do you ever, because I know you're just creating these, these, there, there's no demo, it's just you're starting a song, you're building it, either the track works or it's sitting on your hard drive, as you said earlier. In this case, how many times did you do that vocal that with almost like the snicker, almost the laugh in there? Like, is it is it usually a one-off or, or do you have to get it right? Something like that is a one-off, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I won't have anything written, 
and I'll just kind of sit down and just like mess around with a few ideas. I was like, Oh, I'll just quickly comp around. I was like, go back to that first thing I did. I was like, that's it done. Oh man. There's just so it's just oozing with personality there. And now that I've gotten to talk to you and, and meet you, it, I, I can hear that now. And it's, it's, it's authentic, man. It's, it's refreshing. It's very cool. Thank you. The next line here that comes in, there's this crazy, like, keyboard noise with these synth stabs here and in the first half is the crazy key noise and it's on the line they'll never let a rat in the mickey mouse club they'll never let a rat in the mickey mouse club on the next line on every word i'd rather go and hang myself than live to play somebody else there's these synth stabs i'd rather go and hang myself than live to play somebody just lifting this part like 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 something's going to happen. Yeah. I, I love I love what you did there with the production. Thank you. Yeah, I mean a lot of it's funny because uh, there's like a little synth in it that kind of gives it an artificial texture. But a lot of my sound and my guitar tones and everything is very simple and would be an engineer's worst nightmare, where it is simply a big muff with every knob all the way up, clipping the fuck out of an interface that was like. $70 from Best Buy in 2008. And uh, it just comes in like a brick of audio that is uneditable. And that's <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. And you just put it right in the mix where it needs to sit. And it just creates this this thing, which which to me, I, I only thought there was like synth stabs there. The fact that you, you shared that is cool. Yeah. And like the synth is just a little layer on top. And it's actually just this horrendous guitar tone that I've come to love. Well, I love... After that part that's ramping up that we just talked about with those stabs, now you're getting a bunch of voices on the next two lines, and you say, who's dead inside? Who's dead inside? It happens twice, and the, there's just a bunch of voices here in harmonies, and this big snare roll is happening, and then it just ends with your so by itself. When that happens again, you know that chorus is coming. You can just feel it. And again, uh, we're at the 2 minute and 25 second mark. Chorus number three, manufactured, overrated. When you come, I bet you fake it. Hope you choke on every word that leaves your throat. Plastic and manipulated. You are everything you hated. You're just a punchline to an inside joke. This time in the chorus, though, there's no snare roll on that last line. But instead, the synths are doing a buildup that then slows down and fades out. There's lots of cymbal crashes, but it's just kind of like the whole music sounds like it's just getting sludgy, like like the electricity went off at, at a house party when a DJ smells like... Yeah. I think that was an accident. Like, I think I just totally fucked something up and a bunch of plugins kind of crashed and I just recorded it to audio and it just was what it was. Um, I actually really put that, that same snare ending in there and then it just got all fucked up and it sounded like shit and I slid something the wrong way and I was like, oh, I like it. And then I kept it. Yeah. Happy accidents, man. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome that you that that wasn't uh, intentional that that just that that just happened. I don't know how someone could like create that. It just sounds like it's falling to pieces. Yeah, it almost sounds like it's just it's a bad take or something, but it works. It's yeah. great. And strangely, like I have a lot of plugins where the subscription expires. And when the subscription <laughs> expires, it sounds like shit. It'll like glitch every once in a while. And sometimes I just roll with that, you know, like I just, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, that makes sense to the record. You're on the phone with a company. Hey, keep sending me the uh, the ones with the, the prescription runs out. Thanks. Yeah, the, the, craft one, the cracked ones. Yeah. So now after chorus three, you're not getting a double chorus here. Oh, no. We're going to jackknife you as hard as we can. <laughs> and we're going to take you on another ride <laughs> through creepy land. Now you're in the outro of this song, and this is the first time I heard. I'm like, where is this song going? Does this song <laughs> even make sense? No, never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club, and I don't care. You know, never let a rat in 
the Mickey Mouse Club Cause I'm the worst nightmare You know you'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club And I don't care You know you'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club Cause I'm the worst nightmare You know you'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club Again, I'm going to reference here, not in any sonically or production way, but System of a Down writes like this. It's chaotic. It's it's schizophrenic. Mr. Bungle is another one. I don't know if you're familiar with Bungle. And I'm hearing all all of this in here in terms of, of just how you laid this all together. It, it, it doesn't make sense, but yet it does make sense. And on this last part here... I just in my notes, I wrote that like all of a sudden it's like 1930s or 40s vaudeville. It's like you're in this like (laughs) like part that doesn't sound like it should even go with the rest of the song. And it's just a voice and a piano after this huge chorus. And the lyric is, no, they'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. And I don't care. You know, they'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club because I'm their worst nightmare. You know, you'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. And I don't care. You know, you'll never let a rat into the Mickey Mouse Club because I'm their worst nightmare. Oh, they'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. I don't care. And on the back half of this, there's harmonies. On the whole first half, when it's just you and the piano, uh, there's no harmonies. The harmonies come in and uh, there's this like huge blown out kick and snare drum that comes in. And this part is where I I had written down. It gets very queenish here Mm -hmm. uh, with the synths over this whole outro and that kick and snare part that happens there where where was the uh inspiration behind that it's awesome oh thank you it's just completely blown out it was unmixable um with the mixer and uh we actually i had to bounce that section as a separate wave file and combine it with the mix of the first three quarters of the song that comes before it um because i don't know what i had done but on our logic session, it was just so screwed up and so fucked. But the inspiration musically, it's almost like Billy Madison, where he says, like, I drew the duck blue because I've never seen a blue duck before. I drew the duck blue because I've never seen a blue duck before. And to be honest with you, I, I wanted to see a blue duck. Well, it's an excellent blue duck. Congratulations. You just passed the first grade. Oh, Miss Slippy, that's so great. What do you think of that, Mr. Blue Duck? That's quacktastic. <laughs> and for me, it's like I made the section of a ragtime outro because I've never heard a ragtime punk outro before. You know, and it is it, it that. Yeah, I, I wrote vaudeville. It's yeah, it's ragtime. That's the word I should have used. It, it is ragtime. Very vaudevillian, too. You know, I try not to be the absolute craziest shit I could possibly do. And I love that stuff. I love the drama of it. I love the emotion of it. You know, I love the idea of this like choir of people consuming the soul of a young pop star while dancing and singing about it. You know, it's so uh, so vivid and I'm always chasing that imagery. Well, and that's awesome. When that huge uh, kick drum and snare come in in the back half of this, there's harmonies all over the back half, which I had mentioned on the very last line on the word never and on the word rat and on the word club. There's almost these, it doesn't sound like regular cymbals. It sounds like two crash cymbals, like a marching band is happening here. You know, you'll never let a rat in the Mickey Mouse Club. And I don't care. You know, you'll never let a rat. You know, it just really adds to the the chaos. And it, it, it's like a it's like a party and just, it, it's very anthemic. And then the last line happens. And this is one of the weirdest endings of a song that i've heard in a while but it's so cool and i had to analyze this like 30 times to get the exact notes i'm like wait is it, how many hits is it here on the words i don't care on i there's a synth stab on i just one synth stab and then there's two chainsaw revs <laughs> i don't what the hell were you thinking with that? Um, like, wh- where did that come from? I mean, again, like going back to the cinematic quality of the song that I always want to convey. Um, I just love the idea 
of it almost painting the picture in the viewer's listener's head as like an execution of this character <laughs> and that on to the next one you know what i mean now put in the new mannequin to fill the new slot you know i dig it on the word don't you get three synth stabs that's hard to say uh dun 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 on don't and then there's one long chainsaw rev. You don't get two there. You get one long one. Like, this is the final one. I'm going to cut your head off now. Yeah. And on the last word, care, there's a synth and a drum stab on care to end the song. And it's not super tight or lined up here, which, again, adds to the chaos. It's not perfect on the grid. I can hear it. It just kind of ends. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, it's a total mess. Um, but it almost gives it like a strangely kind of live quality in what's other, yeah. otherwise a highly produced record. Um, and I love that. I, I just love that unevenness and that imperfection. I always embrace it. You should, man. You have tapped in to, to your own thing here. And Thanks. you should be really you should be really proud. I'm, I'm excited to see where you go as an artist because uh, this is cool stuff, man. And, and, and I'm really, really uh, honored you took the time to sit on the show with us. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm honored you took the time to, to dig into the record. I think you know it better than I do. And uh, I, was, I was really impressed by the homework you did, man. That's incredible. And thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I wish you nothing but the best. Before we uh, we uh, head off here, uh, let the listeners know what's what's going on with you, what you got coming up. Oh, man, I just got off my first headline tour uh, just a couple of days ago called Des Rocks Alive. And uh, I will be heading back out on the road a whole bunch in 2022. And over the next two months, I'm just going to be walled up in my little studio, twisting knobs and getting weird again. And and working on a whole bunch of new music that I'm really excited about. Right on, dude. That's awesome. Well, I got a big mouth. I'm going to tell a lot of people about you, and uh, let's write a song together sometime. I'd be honored. Thank you. I would love that, man, and uh, I appreciate your early support. It means the world to me. Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more Chris to Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're looking for an inexpensive and unique gift for a friend, family member, or even for yourself, check out iloveenamelpins.com. From Hollywood stars like Jeff Goldblum and Meryl Streep, to fictional characters like the Golden Girls or Jack Torrance, to sports stars and musicians and politicians and dogs and cats, there's something for everyone at iloveenamelpins.com. As an added bonus, use the discount code ChrisDemakes at checkout to save 30% off your order at iloveenamelpins.com. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your song via MP3 only and your bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Feral Vices. They're a two-piece rock band featuring Alexander Hoagland and Justin Kotner. Not content with simply being just another two-piece rock band, Feral Vices constantly strives to break the mold while providing riffs you can bang your head to and melodies you can sing along with. Here's a snippet of their song, Eat Me Alive. Chris. Well, that was a really cool episode. Des Rocks was new to me just as he was new to you, Chris. And I think we were both very impressed when we heard this was the first song I heard by him. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we did this episode because that was really interesting and awesome. Yeah. his Like I said, his publicist uh, hit me up out of nowhere. I uh, got an email one morning and I always listen to the tracks. You never know what's going to what's going to come through. You can't be dismissive. And I put this on. I was like, wow. This is different. And I immediately sent it to you and, and, and you, you were on board. Yeah, I thought a lot of things he said were pretty cool and inspiring. One of those being that 
you don't necessarily need some fancy, expensive interface and a million plugins. He referenced using expired plugins and things that if you are creative with those things and the emotion comes across and that emotion that comes across in the music then uh, connects with people, you don't need a fancy producer or studio or anything like that. You can create something that means a lot to a lot of people from your own house. You know, I, I thought that was a something I took away as one of the the biggest things from this episode. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm double his age. I I, I learned on a completely uh, different medium than he did. It was it was to tape. There, there was nothing digital that was going on when I first started. I didn't even mention this in the episode, but. But his his future as a producer is bright outside of his career. I mean, if, if things don't take off and he, he doesn't have a, a, a long career in this, he definitely has a long career as a producer because what he's doing is amazing. You know, and as you said, he's 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 recording this stuff on a MacBook using expired plugins. And and basically, he's just learned how to manipulate frequencies and, and, and make them sound good. But what's more impressive is where does this come from? Where do you, from your brain to your fingertips to the computer, create something like this song? It's it, it's really awesome. Yeah, I knew when you asked him if he had demos of the song that the answer was going to be that he just built the demos out and they turned into the actual song. Because, yeah, if you're recording this way, why would you go re-record something? You're going to either record over what you did last or you're just going to keep building on those original tracks. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. And, and I've done that, too. There's been times where, you know, even on Less Than Jake stuff where we've flown stuff from demos before because you just why re-record it? It's already there. The part's already there. In this instance, though, there's no demos at all. It's just he's creating something from scratch. And a lot of times it, n- it never gets put out there for the world to hear. It's, it's sitting, as he said, in his hard drive. I, when I listened to him, I related to aspects of his songwriting style in a lot of ways, mainly in the part that he's doing things and trying things without always knowing the why of it. Now, a lot of my bandmates and people I surround myself with can explain to you exactly why that chord progression works together or why those notes work together well or, or you know, what makes sense in a theory perspective musically, whereas I don't have as much of that. I just kind of do. And then if it turns out cool, and I feel like all of us who write songs have that to a certain extent, it's just our knowledge of the why of it varies. Yeah. And I feel like I'm I'm a little bit more in his world uh, when I'm writing a song. I wish I could be more like that. That's just, you know what? I'm just experimenting here. And he even said at some point, like, yeah, you know the go-to sounds or the guitar you're going to pick up for this part. Or actually what he said was what chords you're going to go to. And that's the part of that that I don't like of where I'm at as a musician. I don't I know I'm going to go to the F sharp here. I, I always do that for the bridge. Or I know I'm going to go yeah. to this chord. It's my go-to. And I like a little bit more of what I'm calling reckless abandon. That's his approach. Mm-hmm. You know, he said a lot of things too that that could almost be come off as cocky. You know, he's like 22 years old. Man, I was insanely nuts and and I had a mouth on me and and I was cocky at that age, but it was coming from that punk, you know, like screw everybody, I'm going to do it myself and he's got that DIY a- aesthetic to it and it, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's backing it up musically. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of young people out there saying those kind of things but can't back it up whereas you know I didn't think he came off I think just the right amount of it. I think that's what you and I said to each other. Oh yeah, and I, uh, I, I, I that, ma- that makes sense. That makes sense for what is coming through in the music. Yeah, you know? and, and usually cocky is a four-letter word. In this instance, it's awesome. He's just like, this is me. This is who I'm. Who I am. And and I didn't look at that as, as a bad thing at all. I like that he knows that it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, that one part that was slowing down, that's because like a plug-in or, or, or something crashed on him and it, or his computer crashed and and he left it because he liked the, the how chaotic it sounded. He liked what, how it made him feel. Right. Yeah, it's cool. I, I was surprised that he didn't know Oingo Boingo, but, you know, he knew Danny Elfman. But I hope that this podcast inspires Des to check out some Oingo Boingo because he's going to be like, oh, <laughs> this is this is so up my alley. I was also wondering, Chris. This song, MMC, stands for Mickey Mouse Club. Is the Mickey Mouse Club still a thing? 
You have young kids. You might know. Is I, I don't know. Does it still exist? I don't know if it's just in syndication with reruns or if they're still making new ones. My, my kids don't watch it. Or, or if it is out there, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Uh, but uh, I bet one quick Google search would show that it, maybe it's out there. And I, I don't know. But but uh, yeah, for, for legal reasons, <laughs> I'd asked them at the top. And I was, I was pretty sure why this was abbreviated to MMC. But uh, it, I'm going to call it the Mickey Mouse Club. That's the name of the song. Yeah, Mickey Mouse Club might be the real name of this song for sure. And speaking of prestigious clubs, Chris, all the coolest people I know are a part of a club that I like to call our Chris to Makes a Podcast Facebook group. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's a very, very cool club myself. I, I really do. We're always talking about it in the raps, but the fact of the matter is it's a good place for us to interact with people, hear what they have to say about the shows, talk about music. It's just a nice place. I'm getting to know people in there. I love it. There, there's only one thing that... that, that irks me a little bit i know what it is oh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it it absolutely 100 percent has to be the fact that people are always misspelling your last name it's been my whole life it's just they they leave out the capital m in the middle uh they they pronounce it wrong it's just been butchered and uh i don't know man the the older i get the more disgruntled i get you think i'd be over it by now you know (laughs) once a week i get a text from you (laughs) that says Hey, will you hit this person up and tell them to spell my name right in this in this article? Or so I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Well, uh, like I said, you'd think I wouldn't be this disgruntled as uh, the older that I get, but uh, but I am, I, and and it, and it, it it hits me, and it just it, it comes in waves, and I did something about it. Oh yeah, what'd you do? This. My last name's the mix with an uppercase capital M. Can't leave that out, or it becomes the mix, the monkeys, or the Oh, that was great. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to mess up your name anymore after that. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I don't know. I, I might I might have to take out some ads across commercial radio across the country with that thing, and maybe maybe it'll solve the problem. I'll tell you one thing. I am going to send it to every teacher that butchered my name uh, in all my school years, so I got, got, got them a song coming. I feel your pain with a weird last name, man. People have been putting a U at the end of my last name forever. It's just F-A-F-A-L-I-O-S. It's almost like a song. F-A-F-A-L-I-O-S. There's no U in there. There's no U. No U's at all. Uh, so I know what you're going through, man. And, you know, when we have guests on our show, I really go the extra mile to make sure that everything about their name is correct in our ads and everything. I just think it's cool. It's a sign of respect. Remember when we had uh, Karina on from Dancehall Crashers slash No Effects? Yeah, I always, I, I always thought her last name was Denike, but it's Denike. And I asked her how to pronounce her last name because I wanted to pronounce it right. Because I know I know the perils of having a bad a, a last name that's pronounced messed up. <laughs> and hers is tricky too because she has an accent mark which she actually I don't think uses a lot of times and I asked her about it and she's like oh it's fine either way I think I put the accent mark in there but it's important it's important to give people their actual name absolutely and you know what else is important Chris our supporting cast program a lot of important people in there and a lot of very nice generous people that allow us to continue making the podcast that you love absolutely you get new episodes each week of the after party which is just a little extension of the podcast as well as our new little series called defeat to makes it's a music trivia show and uh, i'd like to take you on if you think you got what it takes to beat me in music trivia uh please join our supporting cast and uh yeah take me on yeah if you haven't heard the first episode of our new trivia game show defeat the makes all you gotta do is go back like two episodes on chris to make some podcast you can take a listen if you think you can defeat the makes uh, you can join our supporting cast at chris you'll be supporting the podcast and getting lots of extra episodes and you can throw your hat in the ring to take on chris um you know we really enjoy making this podcast and we appreciate your support it allows us to continue making it i recently described our podcast i don't know if this is accurate but i described it as sort of like a master class in songwriting where we're bringing in all the world's best songwriters or at least the ones that will agree to do our show (laughs) on here to talk about how they go about writing songs and i like to think that that is a valuable thing Yep, and if you haven't already, please give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. I would love that. I want to thank this week's guest, Des Rocks, for sitting in with us, and we'll see you next week. Come on, I'm
Pitchfork said absolutely nothing about the Vipers album, Spread the Poison. But punk fan Brock Renata said, Blah! Check out the Vipers album, Spread the Poison, streaming everywhere now, including down your leg. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.